Today, I'm going to preach on Thank God for Friends. Now, I'm going to be dipping in to about 15 different passages. So, it says Romans uh, 16, and we're going to look at that just a little bit, but uh, there are going to be a lot of passages in the message today. I want to ask you to do something very first here. I want you to get in your mind a picture of your two best friends. Would you do that? Your two best friends. Now, have you got them in your brain? I want you, all right, I'll give you ten more seconds. <laughs> Let's get them in there now. Everybody get them in there. Two best friends. All right. Think about them for just a moment. Are they building you up in the Lord? Those two people. Are they building you up in the Lord? Are they making you a better person? Or are they the people that you do things with that wouldn't have made your mother proud? (laughs) Somewhere in each of the letters uh, God inspired Paul to write, He named some of his friends and some of his fellow workers. It's really unique. He's uh, uh, the writer that just does that more than any other. For instance, in his letter to the Philippians, which was a deeply personal uh, letter, Paul quickly tells his joy that's in his heart as he recalls the fellowship of being with his friends. In the salutation, Paul states, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, there are a lot of names in here that he dictates as he moves us from point to point. He brings in people's names, people that have blessed him in the Lord. And those, of course, are the kind of people that each of us that are here today really need. In this letter of joy, Lydia, who was the first convert, won to Christ in a riverside prayer meeting, who later opened her heart and her home to Paul and to his companions. There was that slave girl. You remember her in the scripture. She had lost her sanity. It was restored to her, and it saved her from all the bondage that she had been under, a Philippian jailer who in that pre-dawn light had asked all of the important questions. What must I do to be saved? When the jailer found Christ, he almost immediately started treating those that were bloodied and, and beaten. Paul and Silas, he, he became their prosecutor, and then he became a part of the healing team. Christ had come into his heart and life, and and he became friends with these two that had suffered under his regime. In John 15, 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In this Roman letter, Paul, so deeply doctrinal and so profoundly practical, he closes the epistle 
with such intimately personal words. He just does this over and over and over in his letters, mentioning his friends. In the 16th and last chapter of Romans, Paul recommends someone who is coming to Rome. He greets his friends in Rome and he sends greetings from his friends who are with him in Corinth. Paul's looking out after those people that he knows, that he loves, that he has become friends with. In verses 1 and 2, there is a commendation of Phoebe, who is going to be the one that delivers this Roman letter uh, to the church in Rome. She was a great Christian. Paul calls her our sister, denoting her spiritual kinship to them as a sister in the Lord. Verse 2 declares that she has been a great friend to many. In verses 3 through 16, there are 26 people that are mentioned. Paul had a lot of friends. And that was one of the reasons why he was so strong throughout his ministry. He had people praying for him, lifting him up, standing beside him, helping him in any way that they could. This is so important. These people are, are members of that first century Roman church, the 26. Paul says, these are my fellow, fellow countrymen. These are Roman and Gentile believers. Some women have important places in the church. Some that are named are slaves, and other are former slaves. There is a Persian woman, Persis, who is in that group. This greeting of Paul to those in the church suggests a fellowship that transcends all barriers of race and culture and sex. They are all one in Jesus Christ. And, and Paul recognizes them in that way. And that helps those in the group to recognize each other in that way. In Galatians 3, Paul says that there is neither slave nor free man. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female. For we are all one in Jesus Christ. Secondly, the church is a fellowship of friends. Have you ever thought about how important your friends are? They're very, very important in your life. When you're making a major decision, don't you run it by those that are the closest to you? When you're dealing with family problems, family issues, don't you talk to some folks that you know and trust and love, your closest friends? You and I can join Paul in thanking God for each and every one of our close friends. One of the world's great philosophers was asked the secret of life. And you know what he said? He said, I had a friend. Isn't that powerful? I had a friend. It's true with all of us. No one among us is totally self-made. You know, a lot of people like to say, I'm a self-made man. Well, actually, you're not. Because all along the way, 
There are folks that have come into your life and have helped you here, helped you there, given you this suggestion, loaned you some money, helped you with some of their friends. Uh, We don't stand alone in this life. We have people that care and people that love and people that pray for us. And they're very, very important people. Whatever we do today, we accomplish in part because of the people that have stood by our side in whatever the task might have been. In the Old Testament are found direct statements declaring the worth of a good friend. In Proverbs 27, it says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the mind of his friend. Ecclesiastes 4 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And if one happens to fall down, the other is there to lift him up. But if you're alone and you fall down, there's no one there to help you up. Well, we all know that. We all have been there. I have never understood how loners make it in this world. I just, I just cannot understand it. It's obviously not a happy life. It's not a fruitful life. Every one of us here today, if we maybe have recently moved here, first thing we need to do is to get involved in a church, to start serving, to get into a Sunday school class, Make some friends, people that will not only know you and care about you, but they'll pray for you and they'll come to lift up your arms if needed. We really need that. Every one of us, we need that. Some people I know go off and pout for a week or two or three over something that's happened. Does that help? Has that ever helped? No. Never has. Never will. You know what helps? Put your arm around a brother or a sister in the Lord and say, you know, I really need you to stand with me during these times. I try and go visit everybody that's in the hospital in our church. And as I go, I try as best I can to visit and find out what's going on and find out uh, if the other things are taken care of at home if things are taken care of with a family, if this needs to be done or that needs to be done, that's so important. So very, very important uh, that we stand with folks, that we visit folks, that we minister to folks, that we reach out and touch them with love. And, And they never forget that. You know, you are there. One of the members of our church, I won't mention her name, she's here this morning. I went to visit her in the hospital. I walked in and sat down right beside her and she said, the doctor told me that I was going to die in the next 30 minutes. And I said, well, I'm glad I'm here. I said, uh, I want to pray with you. And if that's true, then we'll uh, send you on to the Lord as we're praying. And she smiled and we prayed. About an hour later, I said, you know, I don't think you were going to supposed to die in those 30 minutes. 
In fact, you're looking better to me. I believe you're going to get out of here. And she got out of there. Well, she has never forgotten those moments, and I haven't either. Well, friends are an important part uh, of our lives. They, they are so important to us individually and corporately, to our family, uh, to our neighbors, everyone. Those who study society use words like behaviorism, peer pressure. Each of those terms recognize the extremely important part of, of people around us that help in our development and in our growth, intellectually, spiritually, in, in so many different ways. Of course, God's Word has been saying that we ought to do that all along. There are repeated calls in the Bible to be a part of the fellowship of the family of God. That's said over and over again. In 1 John 1, it says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. That truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.27 says, it warns the Christians not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. What's that saying? It's saying go to church. That's what it's saying. The assembly of God's people together. We need the church. We need it because that's the place where we go and we hear the great hymns of the faith. That's the place that we go where the folks that are sitting on either side of us, if they know us, they're probably praying for us. And as we mention the folks that uh, need prayer, like those Jewish families today desperately need prayer, you know, we, we change the focus of our mind to those specific needs and lift up those that are mentioned. And, of course, as we study the word of the Lord together, sometimes if we're by ourselves, we never quite get around to it. But if we schedule a time when we're going to be in Bible study, if we schedule a time when we're going to be in worship, if we schedule a time when we're going to to go to a party with other believers, I think parties are very important. You know, you get to know people at parties. You get to uh, fellowship with folks. Uh, we take some trips together. If you want to go to a uh, on a trip, talk to Tom. Where's Tom? Uh, where is Tom? <laughs> is Tom still here? There he is. If you want to go on a trip somewhere, he'll line you up. Uh, we, our church takes a lot of trips. Uh, we we think that's important. It's a time of fellowship. You know, we want people from the outside to go on those trips and to get to know us and to become friends with us. And when they come back to church, that maybe they'll join with us and become a part of our family. It's very important. God's Word tells us that fellowship with other Christians is a vital part of church growth. You know, some churches, it's dead quiet. You walk in and sit down. They go through the worship, and then it's dead quiet. 
And then people get up and walk out. I wouldn't go to a church like that. You know, I think we ought to be in a church where people care and they walk maybe across the room to see how we're doing. See what's happening in our life. To see if we got the promotion that we were thinking about. To see if we got uh, uh, through the difficult period of our lives. All of that is very important. You are growing spiritually today to some degree because of those that are around you. You know, it really blesses me when I hear the hymn sung. I I try and follow the words as best I can. Those words have uh, remained. Those hymns have been sung for hundreds of years. They're important. You know, these things that, uh, these deals where you get up and say something and then you say it 15 more times, same thing. I guarantee you 10 years from now, nobody will remember those. They'll be gone. But a mighty fortress is our God will still be with us. And uh, we're going to be singing that here. I want you to know that. Well, you need a Sunday school teacher. You need a deacon. We have both. And we want you to know both of those people. We're starting a couple of new classes. I hope that you'll want to get into one of those. I hope and pray that through that, uh, you'll come a lot closer to Jesus. I bet that you will. If good friends are, are good for you, then it naturally holds that bad friends would be bad for you. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men, shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Thirdly, this morning, Christ is man's best friend. Now think of this. If we are changed by our friends, and we all know that we are, if we're changed by our best friends, if we take on the qualities of those with whom we spend time daily, then what would we be like if we spent more time with Jesus? We'd become more like him. In 2 Corinthians 3, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus Christ to us, and when we spend time with him, we are being constantly changed into his image. What a great promise. For us today, you know, people come to me every once in a while or they're new to the church, new to the area, and they say, how can I really get into this Christian thing? I tell them, read John 3. John is in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And that's the one. Read that. And when you finish reading it, go back and read it again. And then read it again. And if you don't understand all of that, then call me up on the phone. We'll sit down and talk about it. And then don't move to Leviticus. Uh, (laughs) Go to Romans. Romans is the great theology book 
of the New Testament. Go to Romans. Start studying Romans. Go to our church library. Get out the book on the books that we have on Romans. And study those books and study Romans until you understand it. And when you understand it, you will not only have gotten into this Christian thing, but you will be a wise student of the Word of God. And you'll be blessed because of what you've done. Well, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus wants to be your friend. And guess what? He laid down his life for you. Do you remember the yellow ribbons uh, that became a symbol of hope and support and friendship? For those 52 Americans that were held hostage in Iran for 444 days. Do you remember that? It happened a few years back. It was horrible. The whole country was praying for them. There were yellow ribbons everywhere in memory of those 52 that were there. The yellow ribbon symbol came from a song about a man that had been in prison. For a long time, he had not written his family very much because he was so ashamed of what he had done. Well, his family uh, had not gone to see him very much because it somehow didn't seem appropriate. Well, one day he found out from the folks at the prison that he was going to be released. The first thing that he did was he wrote his wife a letter. He told her in the letter, I'll be on that bus that comes right by the house. And if you still have any love for me at all, or if you still think that you want me in any way as a friend, as a father for the children, I want you to tie a yellow ribbon around that old oak tree that's right by our house. And I will get off the bus, if it's there, and we will begin our life together again. If you don't love me and you don't want me back, don't put a yellow ribbon on the tree. And I'll just stay on the bus. And I'll start my life anew and afresh somewhere else. As the day came, the man got on the bus, and of course he was very nervous. Anybody would be very nervous. He didn't know whether there was going to be a yellow ribbon up there or not. He had no way of knowing. As the bus turned the corner, he started down the street where he had lived. There was a huge yellow ribbon on that old oak tree. A huge one. And there were ribbons on the fence. And there were ribbons on the bushes. And there was a ribbon up on top of the house. And there was even a ribbon on the dog. (laughs) And there was a ribbon on each child. And there was a great big ribbon on his wife. So he got off the bus... And he started his life anew and afresh. 
The yellow ribbon was a symbol. A symbol of love and acceptance and friendship. A door can be a symbol. Did you know that? A door is a wonderful symbol. And I want you to know that the door here today is open. It's not closed and locked. It's open. The door for the Christian life, that door is open. A door for church membership, that door is open. The door to deepen strong relationships with Christian people is here. You can open that door if you want to. It's a door that leads to Christian brothers and sisters, people that will be true friends in difficult moments. We hope that you will open the door and come in. We pray that you will. Cindy and I, every Friday night, Saturday night, over all these years, have prayed that that coming Lord's Day, there would be someone or many that would open the door and come into the body of Christ, come into the fellowship of the saints. And through these uh, 56 years now, that's happened many, many times. And it's been, of course, a wonderful blessing. Today, if you're here, come through the open door. I'll be waiting on you right here at the front. Let's stand together as we sing.